Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. As we head into Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, I thought I would bring a couple of moms on to join me talking about getting through from now to the end of the year. Today, you will be listening to a chat between Linda Cheldeland Fell and myself. It was so full of good things to know that I can't wait for you to hear it. First, let me give her a proper introduction. Linda Sheldon Fell is a founding partner of the International Grief Institute and international best-selling author of over 35 books, including the award-winning Grief Diaries series. Linda has a background in trauma and grief and holds a national certification in critical incident stress management. She has earned six national literary awards and five national advocacy award nominations for her work. As you can tell, Linda has a passion for helping those who are grieving, and this is based on the death of her own daughter. So with that, here is our talk. Well, hi, Linda. I am really glad to have you join me today, and we've already been having a a fun conversation about travel and all kinds of stuff, so welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Now, first of all, I always like to have my guests share their story, so would you please share your daughter with us and tell us what happened? Of course. So in 2007, I had this terrible dream. And in this dream, our third born, our youngest daughter, uh, was in the back seat of a car. And I was in the front passenger seat. And the driver missed a curve in the road. And the car flew off into this lake. And it sank. And the driver and I were able to escape. And I couldn't find my daughter anywhere. I was diving through the murky water over and over and over again, trying to find her. And I couldn't find her. And uh, all I saw was a book floating on the water where she disappeared. And then I woke up. And two years later, our daughter, who was 15 at the time, died as a backseat passenger in a car while they were coming home from a swim meet. Uh And it was T-boned by a father coming home from work. And uh, no one was doing anything wrong. It was just a a pure accident. And she died immediately, our daughter. And uh, that was the first time that I had experienced profound grief. I had lost grandparents and such, uh, but nothing had prepared Uh me for the journey that lay ahead with mm-hmm. losing our daughter. I, it was just, uh, you know, mind boggling. I remember very little of it, actually, for about two and a half years. Right. And then my husband, uh, who he had really internalized his grief and had mm-hmm. not processed it much. And uh, less than three years after she died, um, my husband suffered this devastating stroke. It was, um, it, he was silently grieving and not Uh, processing it. And it was a perfect storm. Uh, The rug was pulled out from underneath me again. And uh, I became my husband's caretaker and he was paralyzed on his right side. And he he had to relearn how to talk, uh, how to um, read, how to walk. Uh, It was just really a, a, a time in our life that 
I could have never foresaw and I certainly did not have the skill set um, to help me cope. And so I leaned in my into my faith a lot. I actually right. envisioned myself in the palm of God's hand. Mm. And, um, and that was what brought me comfort. And uh, so, you know, it was a really devastating time. Uh, to lose a child is unlike anything um, that we can explain to someone. Who right. has it. It's kind of like you can't explain childbirth to someone who's never birthed a child. <laughs> right, right, right. And yeah, and, and so that is what happened to our daughter. And uh, it, it, un, unbeknown to me at the time, it put me on a trajectory um, to where I learned to harness the pain and turn it into a passion to help others. And that's a collateral blessing that came out of it, for which I'm very grateful. Mm. Now, I wasn't planning on asking you this, but I just feel prompted to, based on that dream, and I've heard you talk about, you know, having the dream before, but I know so many parents do that what if, and they feel so guilty, I should have been able to stop this, I should have seen, I should have made a different decision or whatever. Did you struggle with any of that during the dream? Did you feel like that was like I should have seen that as some sort of a warning or did you see that dream as maybe God's mercy in preparing you? I'm just curious about that. You, you know, that's an excellent question. In the beginning, when when I woke up from that dream, it was I was grief stricken mm. because in that dream, that's my daughter was horrific yeah. and I couldn't save her. Yeah. I couldn't find her through the, the muddy water. And I couldn't, so I remember vividly waking from the dream and just feeling just this gut-wrenching. Oh, yeah. And it really unsettled me. And so then when it actually happened, when Allie actually died um, as a backseat passenger in Mm. a car, uh, I used to be a firefighter EMT. And uh, I arrived on scene and she was still there covered with a white sheet. And I was able to sit with her body for some time at the scene of the crash. And I remember in that moment feeling that this was God's will. Mm. And that did nothing to relieve the grief, but it did comfort me. Mm. I knew that there was a bigger picture at play, far bigger than myself. Yeah. And that was comforting to know that God was at the helm. Mm. Even in that moment where I had yet to begin the journey. Yeah, I just knew that this was, um, and, and for some reason, God had given me a premonition dream. Mm, yeah, and in a way, I look back on that, and I think He was giving me a heads up. Hmm. I do. Isn't and, it interesting the different perspectives? Because it seems like either, especially at the beginning, it's like we lean on God, and it's like I don't get it, but I trust you that there's something going on that's bigger than me. There's something that involves eternity. And somehow I know you're the only thing that's going to get me through this and you lean on him or it's almost the opposite of, well, why didn't you stop this God in the anger and the blame of this is his fault because he didn't stop it. And I pray for my kids and you know, the whole thing, because you, you know, you've dealt with parents for so many years and grief as a whole. It's just interesting how we get to choose our perspective, blaming God or trusting him. Right. And and I think it's very common for people to question their faith. Yes. Following a tragedy. Yes. We question everything. Mm-hmm. And many people are looking for some place to put all their emotions, especially yes. 
things like anger and such. And why did you not save my loved one? Right. And, you know, this, that, and the other. And I think that that's okay. You know, God's shoulders are bigger than that. Yes. And he knows our heart and he knows our pain. And so it's okay to be angry at God. For me, I never felt that anger, uh, but I'm aware that it's more common than not. Right. And I think, you know, most of the time it comes full circle where yes. people are able to process their, their, you know, and rec- reconcile between their head and their heart mm-hmm. and, you know, understand that the world is far larger than one soul alone. And so as much as we want to think that God picked on us or he didn't spare us when we prayed to him, we did everything right. And he still didn't save our loved one. That's when we need to begin to think, you know, maybe there's a bigger picture of play here that I'll never know, mm-hmm. but I trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I trust God. I don't know why he does what he does, but I trust him. And, and I got to say for myself in looking back, I feel honored Mm-hmm. That this is the life that I've been handed because um, it's made me into a better person than I was. And and I'm very grateful for that. And it's also given me the um, opportunity to meet people who just need a hug. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you do that for someone, someone who with a hurting heart, when you give to them, you're healing your own heart. Yes. She who heals others heals herself. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm I'm very grateful for the opportunity to touch the life of others in a way that I I hadn't prior to the accident. And right. so lateral blessings are something that can happen from every tragedy. It's interesting you mentioned about turning into a better person because I was just with a group this past week, just a few nights ago, and one of the dads, it's very, very fresh for this uh, couple, and we ended up on that topic, and he had to excuse himself because it's like, I don't know how something that has brought me so much pain, how is it even possible to become a better person out of this? And so it is. So we'll just leave it at that for now. Maybe we'll come back and talk about that another time. So right now, let's go ahead and turn the corner. And I just feel like there's just been so much here already in just the richness and what we've talked about. But I do want to get into the topic of coping with the holidays. And I did ask you to join me as one of the co-founders of the National Grief Institute with Lynn Finley, because you have put something together that I really like on this topic, and I would like our listeners to hear some of this. And first of all, I want to say I like how you describe it as an emotional kaleidoscope. I I think that's a really good description. And you have put together 10 tips. And before we get into that, I want to make sure that everyone knows that they're just that, they're tips. So some of these can help you, and some of these may not help you, because we're all different. And like you say, we're individual like snowflakes. And our grief is like that. So I, I think thinking about us, our grief and, and uh, what we're going through individually like snowflakes, that's a, a good example this time of year especially. So let's go ahead and get into these 10 tips. Now, the first one is sticking with what feels familiar. And that may seem counterintuitive to some of us because we want to get away from what's familiar. So why is that a, a tip that you like to share? Because it's a reminder, if we can stick with a routine, 
it, it a familiar routine can help us feel grounded. And the holidays are a very painful time those first few years. You know, we're reliving memories of yes. holidays past, of merrier times. So it's it's a the holidays can be a huge trigger and a very raw one at that. And so a familiar routine can help us feel grounded. But if that feels too painful, just as you said, people need to do what feels right to them because a grief is unique as a fingerprint. And yes. so is our journey after that. And so what feels right for one person may feel wrong for someone else. And it may switch from year to year. Yes. And so this year, you might do what feels familiar to you. And next year, you may say, you know what, next year, I just want to go away and not acknowledge Christmas at all, or Hanukkah or what, you know, the holidays. Mm -hmm. and, such. Yes. And, and so people at the end of the day have to do what's right for them. But just a reminder that, you know, a familiar routine is something that we're already familiar with. Right? Yeah. And so it, it keeps us grounded, we know what to expect. We can avoid the unexpected. And so we recommend sticking with routine if that's comfortable. Right. And also giving permission to try something new if it's, if it's not comfortable. So and like you said, I, it's so true. I have discovered that too. Sometimes it can go from year to year and something can yeah. be fine one year and the next year it's just like, I, I just can't do that. I can't, you know, right. whether it's putting up the tree this year, I did it last year, can't, you know, whatever. So you need to do what's right for you, but it can be a good thing to stick with the familiar in some areas. Okay. So how about protecting your time to prevent exhaustion? Yeah. You know, grief is a neurocognitive pain and pain of any kind within the body is very exhausting. Yes. It, it takes a lot of energy for our hearts and soul to heal. And, and also at the same time, with the holidays, there is no shortage of events and festivities to yes. attend to. And people may invite you for the mere purpose of trying to distract you from the pain. Mm -hmm. You but, need this. Get out. Do something. Right. But because, because grief in itself is emotionally exhausting, yes. if you pack your schedule too tight, your nerves are going to be raw. Mm -hmm. And you're going to feel more frazzled. It's going to have the opposite impact upon you. Yes. And so it's really important that you take care of yourself first. You can't pour from an empty cup. Right. And so if you if you pack your schedule, your nerves are going to be frayed. Mm -hmm. and, and you may and you may off. think you're doing it to prevent yourself from the pain of missing your child, but you're actually going to be doing more harm to yourself. Right. Because the more rested we are, the better our coping yes. skills. Mm -hmm. And so when we, you know, burn the candle at both ends in an effort to divert the pain, especially through the holiday season, yes. that's going to impact our coping skills in a negative way. Yeah. And so, so it's all about protecting your time and not allowing people to tell you, oh, you should get out. You yes. should be to do that because it's hard for them to see us hurting and yes. it's human nature to want to fix that that appears broken mm -hmm. and so they're going to be you know come to my child's um you know choir concert or right come to our open house or this that the other and uh and, and so it it really drains you quite fast and then you find that you might be backpedaling and having to cancel some of those and then you feel guilty 
And, and maybe some of those that you really wanted to go to. Right. That you just yeah. don't have the bandwidth for now. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's about protecting the, the emotional bandwidth that you have during this raw time. Yes, yes. So it's okay to decline invitations. And this might be a good time to just sit down and look at all the things that you know will be coming up and pick and choose now which ones you're going to say no to and which ones you're going to try to to go to. And it, whatever right. is and, right for you is okay. Yeah, that's right. And, and if you can, pick the ones that will lift your heart with joy. Yes. You know, rather than out of obligation. Mm -hmm. okay, and some of that I think can... Yeah. And I think some of that can come back to familiarity, you know, go yeah. to the, the, the work Christmas party, you know, that kind of a thing where you can go away and, and it's not, you know, some of those things, the focus is that slap in the face reminder of who isn't there. But some of the, those things like work parties, those are, you can be there and actually enter into some of what's going on and, and take a rest from the grief. Cause it'll be back there. It'll be there when you get back. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah, that's right. I like how you say, uh, cut yourself some slack, not your finger, <laughs> because of how distracting grief is. <laughs> yeah. So so if you think about so this is tip number three, cut yourself some mm -hmm. slack. Because, if you know, again, going back to the fact that grief is a neurocognitive pain. And what happens is it hijacks our brain. And because we're our brain is secreting all those stress hormones, yes. right? And so what happens with all those stress hormones is that it anesthetizes other parts of our brain, including problem solving, critical thinking, that kind of thing. And so if you if you understand grief from that perspective, that it's a neurocognitive pain that's naturally distracting because pain yes. is naturally distracting. Mm -hmm. and, and so if you think about um, oftentimes it's, uh, you know, for women in particular, we find ourselves in the kitchen over the holidays, making sure that uh, we make everyone's favorite foods. Right, right. We make treats and such that we don't make any other time of year. But the truth of the matter is, is that a small kitchen disaster, like if you cut your finger and you need stitches, that's going to come quickly deplete your coping skills. Yes. And again, it goes back to helping to protect what energy you have. And so buy store-bought where you mm -hmm. can where you're most comfortable, you know, if, um, if, you know, people want grandma Gracie's pumpkin pie, <laughs> you know, that's been in the family that, you know, that recipe for generations, then buy store-bought gravy, you know, give yourself yes. some grace there mm -hmm. and try to minimize, you know, the potential for error, especially in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, our brain is already naturally distracted by that pain. And we don't want to add more angst into, right. you know, that day, because we've, right. you know, not been yeah. paying attention and, and end up with a, a, you know, kitchen disaster of some sort. Right, right. It's interesting that we acknowledge that physical pain is distracting. But we don't realize that the emotional distress is distracting as well. Yes. So that, that's important. It, 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 truth be told, so, so grief is a neurocognitive pain and the body cannot tell the difference between neurocognitive pain and physical pain. Hmm. And so that's why it's as exhausting as if we broke our leg and we're healing from yes. a broken leg or surgery. Or back surgery. Or or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how we just acknowledge how much healing it takes when you go through something traumatic physically 
but we don't acknowledge that we need healing time just as much for something, you know, like a traumatic death kind of a thing for an emotional. Yeah. Yeah. We need to rest just like all healing. We need to rest. That's where going back to tip number two of avoiding packing a schedule. It's because we need to protect what energy we have, because again, the, the more rested and less frazzled we are, the better our coping skills. And that's really important to understand. Yes. Yes. So the fourth one, they all kind of flow together in this is skipping the chaos to avoid those frazzled nerves, to find ways to create a a peaceful, soothing atmosphere. So what are some suggestions for that, Linda? Well, you know, the the number one is to turn off the technology. Yes. And, uh, you know, we tend to immerse ourselves in social media and, you know, social media is a plethora of stories and emotions and such. And we're really not in a position to take on someone else's chaos, right? Or someone else's, um, Mm -hmm. you know, bad day or what have you. And so when we minimize technology, we immediately reduce the stress that Mm -hmm. we feel. And so, you know, turn off the computer. Um, One of my favorite tips is um, lighting a fragrant candle. And I usually Mm -hmm. begin in September. And, uh, you know, not everyone loves pumpkin spice. Most people no, do. Right, right. And if you're not one of them, you know, a, not, a nice vanilla candle can mm-hmm. really, because that's aromatherapy, right? Yes, exactly. And that's, that's going to trigger the endorphins in the brain. Lavender, chamomile. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or you know, it, it can be holiday. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Apple cinnamon. It it <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, so, but they've got all kinds, baking cookies and coffee. And roll. And, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. 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 And then, you know, another thing that people can do to help skip the chaos is um, watch a comedy. And mm. what that does is, and, and so, you know, there can be good holiday movies every night for the month of December. Yes. You can watch on Pure Flix, Netflix, Amazon mm-hmm. Prime. Um, I mean, there's so many different TV channels where you can mm-hmm. find these movies and find ones that make you laugh yes. because those are going to induce the perfect diaphragmatic breath. And what that does is oxygenates the brain and it clears our thinking. Mm. And, and, who knew? And, and so, you know, when you soothe your nerves with peaceful surroundings, you binge watch a good, you know, comedy <laughs> or holiday movie, um, you know, put on some really nice, fuzzy, warm socks, grab a soft, <laughs> light uh-huh. a nice, get yourself a cup of tea or hot mm-hmm. cocoa or what have you just dial down your stress level, skip the chaos. It's, yes. it, it, again, it goes back to the more rested you are, the better your coping skills through the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I know for some, I can just hear them thinking, yeah, but some of those movies are ones that I watch with my kids. And, you know, and they're not there anymore. So that would be right. more of a trigger. So, you know, either find different movies yep. or try watching it because you might be amazed at the laughter of the warmth that you get because it connects you to your child. Right. And so that can be something warm. And I know at the beginning, those memories are more painful but they can become warm memories and connections. So don't just write it off. I know one of my favorite things to do I know for a lot of people, they can't put up the Christmas tree for a long time. I was one that I just, I wanted and needed it up. It just meant something to me for Becca and, and, uh, you know, getting through those ornaments that 
can hurt. But I just love just sitting and just looking at the lights on my tree and just putting in some beautiful music, Christmas music, and just, it's just so peaceful to just yeah. sit and look at the tree and the lights yep. and the music and something warm to drink. And yeah. Even so, better if you can light a candle yes. as you do that and just sit mm -hmm. there in the natural glow. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, uh, uh, the holiday lights and allow your mind to wander. But mm -hmm. the most important here is to calm down your entire environment. It's yes. reducing the stress during a very stressful time because mm -hmm. the holidays is a time of hustle and bustle for everybody. Yeah. They're trying to, uh, you know, attend all the festivities, do Christmas shopping and, you know, get the, the um, grocery list tackled yes. because you've got so much to buy over the next couple of weeks for, you know, the, the different dinners and, and, you know, maybe you've got a, a you know, different, um, Oh, all yeah. kinds of school programs and just yeah. everything, Christmas yeah. concerts. I mean, you're being pulled in yeah. every which way. Yeah, and, yeah. So, uh, in, so just calm it all down, uh, you know, in the evening time. And, and I think it's important, too, if you have younger kids that make your day a bit more chaotic, go ahead and take some time when you get them to bed for yourself. Yeah. I know it's easy to just fall in bed exhausted, but, you know, do something to rest and replenish yourself in in some way so absolutely uh, yeah so treat your senses to some tlc i think that's yep. part of what we've been talking to that leads part us this, right into yes five. exactly yep. do what yeah. feels best to your heart not what pleases others that's huge isn't it because everybody all has suggestions about what we should do to feel better well the idea behind the five the rule of five Yes. It's treating your senses to TLC every single day. So each day you acknowledge five things that you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, one thing you can taste. And okay, let's it, say that again. Okay, so I want people every to catch day, that. Mm -hmm. Every day, practice the rule of fives. Yes. Five things you can see, four things you can feel, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste that induces sensorial pleasure. What that does for your body is that it's a reminder that not all pleasure is lost. So yes. when you smell a nice candle, that triggers, if even for a moment, a little bit of endorphins in your brain. And it gives your brain a brief respite from the pain. Mm. And that's important. Mm -hmm. And so when you practice the rule of fives, especially in the early days of grief, where we, we, we are positive, we'll never feel anything right. other than grief right. again. Mm -hmm. So the rule of fives is a reminder that our body can still feel pleasure. And when we allow our body to feel pleasure through our five senses, it triggers the endorphins in the brain. Mm. And again, it doesn't cure grief, but it gives our brain a respite from yes. the grief pain, that neurocognitive pain. Because again, if you think about the stress hormones that flood the brain during grief, when we release or trigger the endorphins, it clears the brain. Hmm. And, and that's why the, the good belly laugh when you watch like a, a you know, comedy or, or binge watch a, a funny series on TV, um, you know, again, I, I, laughter is actually a very powerful healing yes. in itself. Yes. And, and so any opportunity that we have to trigger the happy hormones in the brain is going to give us moments of respite. 
And that's really, really important because the heart can hold joy the same time as yes. sorrow. Yes. So it's really important that we allow our body to still engage in physical pleasure through our five senses. Mm-hmm. That is so good. That is so good. And I think it's so good to know because I, I think most of us, we don't know anything about our body and grief. We're, we're thinking so much about the emotional turmoil and what's in our soul and our mind. We're not right. thinking about how we can actually do things to help our bodies, which in turn helps our soul and our mind and yep. in that. So, you know, when you're talking about the uh, the smell, the, the thought that came to me was next time you go grocery shopping, get those already pre, not the roll that you have to cut, but those little pre cookie dough things that come in those flat packages, you know, throw a couple of cookie dough things in the oven that'll do your smell and your taste. Right. <laughs> get it, get Works for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and the idea behind giving it assigned values, such as five things you can see, four things you can hear, et cetera. It's not important to remember what was, what was I supposed to do with five things or four mm-hmm. things? As long as you engage your senses mm-hmm. and sensorial pleasure every day, it, it is a reminder that not all pleasure is lost, right? That we still feel physical pleasure. And, you know, the, the physical body, the emotional body, the cognitive body, it, it's all intertwined. Yes. And so when we feel pleasure, even in our fingertips, mm-hmm. um, you know, our olfactory, our, our, our nose, a uh, taste, you know, when we have those moments of pleasure, it registers in our brain. Yes. And that's really important to our healing. It, it, it sends, it sends us a signal whether we realize it or not. And I, I think this really leads into the next one because you're talking, you've been talking about laughing. You've been talking about finding, you know, discovering there's still pleasure in life, that it's not always going to be like this. And yet, how can I possibly laugh when my child isn't here? When my child's not laughing, when my, I feel so guilty. I, how can I possibly be happy again? the guilt that comes with that, that seems to be one of the hardest, but like you said, the heart can hold both joy and sorrow at the same time. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, just as you said in the the first few years, it feels abnormal to laugh. And yet laughter is a very similar energy to crying. They both release energy. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's important for us to laugh because also that gives our brain a little bit of a respite, right? Because it it triggers the endorphins, but it also teaches us the heart is a very powerful part of our body and our soul and that it can hold joy the same time as sorrow. We don't have to choose and it's okay to allow yourself to have those moments of joy. It's actually critical to your survival. Yes. So imagine yourself in an elevator with a Christmas music playing in the background and it's an upbeat jingle. And suddenly before you even realize what you're doing, your foot is tapping to the beat. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people think, oh, what am I doing? You know, and they feel guilt. Stop that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's good for you to have those moments of joy. And so I encourage people who have lost a loved one to take it a step further. If they find their foot tap into that beat, start singing along, mm-hmm. allow yourself to sing. Yes. And again, it's not a cure for grief, 
But those moments of joy that we allow in to our hearts is good for our healing. When we think about if we had gone first, like we wanted to, like we think, you know, we consider that normal, the parents go first, would we want our child to live in grief and mourning for the rest of their lives and never laugh again, never enjoy life again to prove how much they missed us? And no, I, we would. And I, no. I know, you know, sometimes we can bristle when someone tells us your child wouldn't want that for you. And it's like, how do you know what my child would want? <laughs> kind of a thing. But I think it's different coming from other parents who've lost a child and can very gently say, would your child really want you to live in such depth of darkness, never having joy in life again? Because most of our children loved life. They were full of joy. They laughed. So sometimes that can be helpful to think about it the other way around, I think. So let me ask you this. Do you love chocolate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so what if you said, I'm never going to have chocolate again because it tastes good and that makes me happy and I'm never going to have it again? What would your deceased child say to that? They would say, of course, have that chocolate, yes. mom. Don't mm -hmm. be silly. Right, right. And, and it's true with any moments of joy. And mm -hmm. you're right. If the roles were reversed and we were in heaven watching our loved one, we would want them to find meaning in their life and learn to move forward with us in their hearts instead of their arms with joy. And of course, that takes a long time. Yes, we it is a process. It's a process between the head and the heart, that reconciliation yes. process. And mm -hmm. so it's not something that happens overnight. And, you know, again, feeling joy does not cure grief. Right. But it does help to balance the scale. Yes. And, and, and it can it can happen in just seconds or moments and be gone again. It can be very fleeting. But when it's there, lean into it. Absolutely. So how about honoring the past, finding a way to include your child's memory? Because I, I know we can even begin to make new memories with our child that's gone. Yeah, it's it's going to be painful, but I think it's even more painful for, for us to do nothing as if they never existed. Grief can be paralyzing. Yes. And, you know, come the, especially the first holiday and the second holiday and the third year mm -hmm. after the holiday season, especially if it's our child's favorite holiday is incredibly, it's brutal and mm -hmm. pain is paralyzing. Yes. And, and so what we did, I remember I, Allie died on August 5th and she and I often had our Christmas tree up by October because we both <laughs> Christmas season and wanted to extend it for as long as possible. Mm. And I, you know, I, I just thought, what am I going to do? I didn't want to have Christmas at all. I wanted to ignore it. Yet we had right. other children in the home. We had a, a young grandson and I knew I couldn't rob them mm -hmm. of Christmas just because I felt right. such pain in my heart. And so what we did, and, and I also could not bear to see Allie's stocking empty. Mm. I couldn't bear. So what my solution to that was, was to fill her stocking with toys for the pets. Okay. And that's what we've done every year after. So that's how we honor Allie uh, mm -hmm. with the holidays. We we fill her stocking, but she doesn't get the same things that they, you know, the, the, the other right. people in the family. Right. 
uh, but we do fill it with useful things and our, our, our cat and dogs love it. <laughs> so, you know, one of the other more painful things that we have to navigate too is the empty seat at the table. Yes. And so there's ways you can, you know, mitigate that if you choose to. Uh, one might be to put her, his or her picture in a frame at, at that place setting. Yes. Or you can invite a newly bereaved family mm. or widow or widower to join yes. you. And that mm -hmm. can become their designated spot. Yes. Yes. So, you know, honor the past and, and however it means to you, but mm -hmm. don't be afraid to think outside the box. Like for me with, with a, you know, finding a solution to the stockings, I I'd never heard what other bereaved parents did. And because this was also new to me and I was in a fog mm -hmm. and, and so coming up with that solution of filling it with pet toys and, and treats um, just seemed to work for us. Right, right. That tradition ever since. And part of it is Allie loved cats, absolutely loved mm. cats. And, and so that just seemed fitting yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so honor your loved one, however that means to you. That right. You get through the holidays. Right. And I, you know, I think of with Thanksgiving coming up, you know, these are things that can be applied for, you know, not just until, you know, through Christmas, but some of this is, you know, the family get togethers and finding ways to honor our children at the Thanksgiving table. If you so choose to go <laughs> or, you know, if you feel like obligated to, you know, go for a little while, don't go for dinner, go later, whatever you need to do. But like you said, think outside the box. There are ways to be able to honor our children at these events or times, seasons, whatever's going on. You can even adopt a new tradition in memory of yes. your loved one. Yes. And that might be going out and, uh, you know, planting a tree. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, many parts of the country, the, the land is going to be frozen. And so that's not a viable option. Right, right. There's different things that you can do. Uh, you can pay it forward. Yes. And your loved one and go mm -hmm. out and hand blessing bags out to the homeless and attach to the blessing bags, you know, little organza bags. Yes. You know, put a, put a tag on there in loving memory of my loved one. Mm -hmm. and may bring you joy. You yes. know, and so that would be a new tradition that would honor the past. Right. And another new tradition that could honor the past is the next one, which is volunteering, doing something yes. in your community that lifts your spirits. You know, we think of, I think almost immediately it's like, okay, go find a soup kitchen to serve in. But there are so many other things that you can do. You know, I think of animal shelters that need volunteers, or there are so many things that we could do. Think of what your child liked, what they appreciated, what what would mean something to them, right? Absolutely. Because truth is, she who heals others heals herself. Mm -hmm. And when we go out and give of ourselves, it induces what's called a helper's high because it triggers those hormones. And the other part of that too, is, so using a soup kitchen, soup kitchen as an mm. example, is that we're surrounded by other people who are down on their luck. It helps keep us into perspective that we're not the only one struggling through the holiday season. Yes. And that helps us to feel less alone. Even if mm -hmm. the people that we are serving don't speak our lost language. Oh, that's good. It's helping yes. another fellow human during a tough time. Yes. And they mm -hmm. appreciate it. 
it triggers endorphins in us. It's a win-win. And there's no shortage of need for volunteers. You oh, can call yeah. the Chamber of Commerce if you don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And you know, you can read Christmas stories uh, to children at the library. Mm -hmm. you know, you or at a hospital if it's not a trigger absolutely. for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so there's so many ways that we can give that we are going to receive far more than we actually give. Yes. And you may find one of those things turning into your new tradition. You may find one of those things that brings you those moments of joy and something that oh. God turns into one of those things where I didn't know life could be good again or right. that I could like myself better or, you know, it can just continue. That can be the start of the path to some of That's these right. other things we've been talking about. I am going to jump in here. As you can tell, Linda has so many good things to share with us that we talked for almost an hour. I know that some of you like long episodes, but by the time I add the birthdays and put in the introduction and something at the end, having this be over an hour is just a bit too long. So we will pick this up again next week, and you will also get to hear from my friend Melanie next week. And I will put in today's show notes, though, how you can connect with Linda in case you want to connect with her. We are doing a special starting Friday, November 25th through November 30th. When you purchase the book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing After the Death of Your Child, we will also send you the My Grief Journey book for free. So for only $13, you can treat yourself to two books, or you can maybe get a set for a perever you know, or buy the set just to have them on hand when God brings someone your way. So that is if you order When Tragedy Strikes directly from us in the GPS Hope store. That's gpshope.org slash store. I'll sign the books before we send them out. And I'll also put a link to the store in the show notes for you. Let's go ahead and go on to the birthday segment for this week. Austin Lauderman was born on November 20th and is forever eight and a half. Benjamin Kravitz was born on November 21st and is forever 32. Logan Singer was born on November 21st and is forever 17. Jacinda Avina was born on November 22nd and is forever 18. Jacob Letourneau was born on November 22nd and is forever 21. Skylar Spencer was born on November 23rd and is forever 24. Melissa Sulakowski Hill was born on November 23rd and is forever 38. Josie Floyd was born on November 24th and is forever 25. Austin Delgado was born on November 26th and is forever 21. Tyler Green was born on November 26th and is forever 27. We celebrate with these families the day these children came into the world. It will always be a special day and worth celebrating. 
If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. Just go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the information there, submit it, and we will add your child to the birthday segment. Before I close this out, I want to remind you that I made a way for us to walk through the Christmas season together every single day through the book, Hope for the Future, an Advent Journey for Bereaved Parents. Not only will you have something to read each day to encourage you and to help you focus on the future we have with our children because Jesus came as a baby, but each Sunday evening you can also join me live as I light a candle on my Advent wreath and share that night's reading. Now you don't have to have the book to join me for the reading, but it is something that it gives you something to read every day. Right now, Hope for the Future is supposed to be on sale on Amazon for only $9.99, and that is through November 23rd, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this episode when it comes out. To find out more about all of this, go to gpshope.org slash adventbook, or go straight to Amazon to place your order and get the book. Last week, I decided to make an acrostic using my name, to come up with things that I am thankful for, and I just thought I would share it with you before I close today. So L-A-U-R-A, Laura. L, I am thankful for laughter and love. A, for all the traveling I get to do in the Hope Mobile. U, for us, Dave and I doing life and ministry together, my children and grandchildren, and our GPS Hope family. R, I am thankful for reunions seeing family and friends after being separated both here on earth and in heaven. And A, I am thankful for answered prayers, both the way I want them answered and the way I don't, as God sees through the eyes of eternity. I would love it if you would do the same with your name. You can share it in the comments below this podcast episode on the GPS Hope website. And this is episode 186. And here is another acrostic that you hear me share every week. H-O-P-E. Hold on. Pain eases. There is hope.